0: da Brenda DeVita,
1: and you'll never guess where this is about to go. Everyone has a story to tell. We have a bottle of wine and an ear to listen. Join a couple of dolts as we dote out some anecdotes. And welcome to Anecdotal Dote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dote, the podcast that celebrates the stories and storytellers in all of us. I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who was dumped because of Prince Charming. Joining me on this podcast is the big bad wolf to my Little Red Riding Hood, Laura Arnold.
2: (laughs) I don't understand how I'm the big bad wolf.
1: Um, I mean, cause you're, um, I, well, I guess it's more realistic to say that I'm Little Red Riding Hood. Um, like if one of us had to be that, it would probably be me.
2: So I'm like grandma?
1: I, then who's (laughs) the big bad wolf?
2: I guess. If Society. I could be, like, the Society big bad is the
1: big bad wolf. but anyway, uh, But yeah. Um, you... I was dumped because of Prince Charming.
2: I don't... I don't understand how... I mean, like... I guess I see a world. But tell me your story.
1: <laughs> I mean, no. The, the correct response, Laura, would be, but you are Prince Charming. I don't know why anyone would ever dump you unless you were too much like Prince Charming. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, you're laughing a little too hard at that, so I'm not, that's uh...
2: that's all the things I was going through my brain.
1: mm Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the story is, I have always loved the television show Once Upon a Time. Hmm. Um. That was on ABC. For people who don't know, the show basically is uh, all the all the fairy tale creatures that you've ever known. Most of them from the Disney canon or the Disney version are uh are living in Storybrook, Maine under a curse and they have no idea that they are these fairy tale creatures. They have like these normal human identities and they don't realize that they're these fairy tale versions um of them that they lived in another life. And so I was I had been uh seeing this girl in college and she and i uh this girl she we both were hopeless romantics she was very much a hopeless romantic as well she had been for years had been writing letters to her future husband not knowing who that would be um and i remember one night she was like maybe i'm writing them to you and i was like uh okay um sure but um so we I, I didn't have commitment issues, and so I was like, "Oh, you've never seen Once Upon a Time? You're gonna love it. It's super romantic." And I remember we're like all snuggled up on the couch watching the first episode, and it's it starts with like Prince Charming finding Snow White in the forest when she's under the curse, and uh, him kissing her. And it's all romantic and everything, and the whole episode is like following that journey, and like the credits are rolling, and she's like, um, "I don't, I don't think this is gonna work out." And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, um, I just, every, the whole time I was watching this episode with you, I just kept being reminded how you're not that. And I was like, oh, wow. God. And so I was like, I'm being compared literally to Prince Charming. Uh, and so we, uh, we parted, we parted ways and did not, did not date. <laughs> I am back in Maine. We're, we're recording this episode with me back in Maine. Back in the kitchen. And boy, yes, I'm back in the kitchen staring at where you used to sit. <laughs> uh, super sad. Also looking at the red lawn chair that we used to have our guests sit in. And now um, it's literally uh, an empty chair at an empty table. Um, it's uh, yeah, super sad. It's an
2: empty table.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is so hot up here. Um, was living with air conditioning down in Kentucky. Do not have that in my apartment. Oof. So I am dying. Yeah, we have central air, and let me tell you, that is the dream. Wow. Um. Thank you so much for kicking a guy while he's down. Sorry
2: about it. Cause like it's, it's been like, hot here too, but not that bad. I don't
1: think. Well, I would say not if you have a a a, a refrigerator blowing cool air on you all day. <laughs>
2: I mean i'm talking about like going outside when i like go outside and do stuff for a little while i can't spend it it's so humid though that it's hard to like spend much time out there but
1: so you stay inside yeah why
2: <laughs> because it's comfortable
1: <laughs> you laura i'm sorry john you're not sorry. You're really comfortable with air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on to uh we have a we have a very fascinating guest uh this week. Uh she's hilarious. Uh, and if you notice our introduction um is a little it's a little clipped this week um because her she jumped right into she was very excited to tell this first story. She was. Um and so and it is not going at all where you think it's going. Um, she was an absolute joy to have on the podcast. We were absolutely thrilled. Um, so let's, let's jump to it. Uh, Laura, let's introduce this, uh, this amazing woman.
2: Yeah. Today's guest is the artistic director of American Players Theater, where she's celebrating her 26th season with the company. She trained with Tadashi Suzuki in Japan, as well as at the University of Northern Iowa and the University of Delaware. Welcome to the podcast, Brenda DeVita.
0: I was an actor in college, and I was in a show. I was in a show, it's the second time I had been in this show, playing Sally Bowles in Cabaret, and um, I loved the role so much, and I was always known for, like, never, This is this is something that until I hit menopause is true. I was never the person who had the extra tampon ever, ever. I was never the person who had like, the extra tampon or the extra pad or in my, in my memory, all the things I'm saying are my memory and we all know that that's dicey. But in my memory, this is the story. Um, I was doing cabaret and I couldn't dance really well. And it's really problematic when you're playing Sally Bowles that you're not really a dancer. So they always put me up on a chair So I'm up on this chair and I'm in these fishnets and it's in the, it's in the, um, what's it called? What was that cabaret? Kit Kat club. And I'm in the Kit Kat club. So I, I was really authentic. I grew out my, my armpit hairs. They were very long and dark and very French. And um, Sally is on this chair and I'm doing my number and I'm dancing and I'm singing. And all of a sudden I think, Oh, I just tore. Oh my God. I swore. Sorry.
2: I just like, tore. No, no, you're fine.
0: Okay, great. My, um, my, my, um, my fishnets all the way down the inside of my leg, and I'm like, God, dang! I'm supposed to be sexy, and this is just trashy. And I could feel it, and I thought, Oh God! So I just put my knees together and I just dance it out, you know, and finish the number. And the ah! and I have a really fast quick change backstage for the next scene, which I have to have um, a long cigarette lit on a holder, and I have a, a fur on, and I'm completely done up, and I have like a minute to do this. And I get back there and my dresser, who will remain nameless because they probably don't need me to say their name. My dresser's <laughs> back there and they're like, give it to me. And I'm like, what, what, are, you what are you talking about? And they're undressing t- me. Give it to me. And I'm like, what? what? And I look down and I am bloody. Like all blood <laughs> down. Oh, and I no. literally, he said, give it to me. And I'm like, thunk. And I pulled that baby out. And I slap it. He had a wad of paper towels plop it in his hand he throws it over his shoulder i have no idea i kept thinking who is gonna find that tomorrow in the cleanup he's like oh. and they i and they're washing me down and dressing and they push me out and they start the next scene i am i am in complete shock <laughs> an utter shock that is that is my story <laughs> And oh it's a true god. one. I have a few of those from being on stage. I like stuff that, that like that. That all my fault. I'm not, I mean, not all my fault. One of it was appendicitis attack, but um, that was not my oh fault. Oh my god, that's a crazy, crazy <laughs> story. Because I was having it on. I was on stage having an appendicitis attack. It was crazy. Oh, oh my god. god.
1: And was that a musical as well, or was that a straight show? No,
0: that was a straight show. I was doing. Um, do you want to hear that story?
1: <laughs> uh, <but> please. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> This is like the ER episode of anecdotal do
0: <laughs> Okay. So I was, um, I'm getting myself a beer. So I was in this show <laughs> called, um, uh, I've this show called, uh, 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 the foreigner. Everyone knows the foreigner, right? Such a funny mm-hmm. show. And I was playing Catherine and she was pregnant in the show and didn't know, nobody knew. So she's not very far along. And, um, that was always my mom saying, would you just play the wife and quit playing the mistress? Um, and I kept saying they were so much better parts. So, uh, um, so I am in the, I'm in the show, and I am staying, sorry, I my beer. I'm staying at a professor's house. Oh my God, he probably doesn't know this. God, I don't know. I don't even know if he'll ever hear this, but he doesn't know this. I was staying at his house. He was gone to like, Europe for the summer and he let me use his place and I was in the summer theater community and I decided and everyone kind of thought I was a little bit of a I'm, I was pretty um, serious as an actor I was pretty folk you know like this important regardless of the tampons I didn't keep in my pocket but uh, I was really focused uh, on stuff so I wasn't a hot ton of fun and there was kind of a, a group that were getting really you know, cool and having fun. So I thought, oh, I'll be cool. I'll have a party, have a blowout at this guy's place. Cause it was gorgeous. And it had like this huge a back patio. And um, so we were doing this and I, um, and I am so terrified the whole time, right? But um, that something's gonna get broken. Cause that's me always worried. So I'm running around trying to be like, oh, it's all cool. And, and eventually I just give up. Cause it's a, it's a, a total mess. And I start drinking and I get kind of drunk. And um, <laughs> about four in the morning, I start feeling like I'm dying. Like I'm gonna have the worst <laughs> hangover. And I had two shows the next day. And I was in <sighs> rehearsal for, uh, what's the one Suddenly Seymour? That, that one? <laughs> Little that, Shop.
1: I, Little I was shop playing her,
0: Audrey. <laughs> and I was in rehearsal for that in the daytime. And then I had a uh, foreigner at night and I was dying in rehearsal. I, I, I remember crawling up the stairs of the theater backstage to get to the bathroom to throw up. And I was like, I am. And so the people that were the cool people that I wanted to be friends with all thought I was the biggest loser and completely unprofessional. And here I was hungover all day puking and the show starting and I'm doing like a cat cow, literally yoga, trying to get my stomach to stop. Like, I mean, I am, and they have buckets backstage on both sides of the stage of course they don't understudies and they had smelling salts And I'm out there, and I'm doing the show. And eventually, I am complete. I would go back, puke. Sarah Young was the stage manager on this. Puke. They give me smelling salts. I go back out, and by the and my friend Michael Bodewin was in the show with me, and he is watching me. He's playing Ellard, and he's watching me. And at one point, at the in the towards a climax of the show, he's down right. Down right, and he says, "Come here, come here, come here." And I'm like, crawl, like literally, like. I'm bent like in a, like a, I don't know, like a 75 degree angle. Like, I'm literally bent over. He, he sit down and he says, you are gray. You are, you are turning gray. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I thought this whole time it was a hangover. And the curtain, the lights go down. My brother and his girlfriend were there to see the show that night. <laughs> the lights go down. I I had gotten off stage. I didn't come up for curtain call. And the artistic director was backstage and he's this big man. And he picked me up. Sarah Young opened the back doors. It's like a hundred degrees outside. He has his car, air conditioning blown hot, puts me in the car, slams the doors, drives me to the hospital. And I'm in the hospital, and my brother shows up at the hospital. I'm in the, I'm in the room, and they're assessing me, and they're like worried. And, the, and my brother comes in, and he's like, what? I went down to see her. She, she didn't come off a curtain call. Is she okay? And he comes in, and, and the doctor's like, Okay, Brenda, I need to ask you some questions. He said, Is there a possibility you're pregnant? And my brother goes, She's not married. And the doctor goes, <laughs> <laughs> the, doctor goes the doctor looked at him like he was joking. And he was like, Uh uh-huh. huh. I, I need her to answer this question. He said, Is there a chance that you're pregnant? And I look at my brother and he goes, She is not married. I mean, he was staying to the story. And I'm like, That's my brother. He's like, You're going to need to step out, please. And I'm like, I'm not pregnant, Brian. I'm not, there's a chance I could be pregnant, but I'm not pregnant. And then I, um, that was a whole other family issue. But but then I go in and they find out I have an appendicitis, I'm having appendicitis and it was rupturing. And literally, the uh. nurse putting the thing on my face says, I just saw you in this show. You were so pregnant. It's a little (laughs) tiny town I was in. She's like, you were so funny. We saw it last night. I think the the surgeon may have been there. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then they put me out. And then I come to. And, like, if I had waited, I don't know. But the story that is made up in our heads at the theater was if I had waited, I I would have been so sick. And I had no insurance. That was the other thing, of course. Wow. No insurance. So my mom wrote a letter to the hospital and asked them to cut. She always has this great she has six, 15 siblings. So she would write this incredible letter to doctors to cut the bees and stuff. And they did. They cut like everything in half and said, My wow. poor daughter is one of 16 children. And they did it. So they were really nice about it. But yep, those are my, those are two, those are, those are two stories. <laughs>
1: oh my wow, God. Those, those are incredible. Those are incredible. Amazing. <laughs> I, you know, just the world. So Brenda, um, what is your? Because you are you're an artist. uh, You work on stage, off stage. You're just from reading your your bio. um, You've done it all. Um, So what is what's your first memory (laughs) with theater in like in particular?
0: This is a true story. I lived on the end of a dead end dirt road in the middle of Iowa in the country with 15 Mm. siblings. So and, and and I went to a Catholic school, and so we didn't have. You know, we didn't have theater. We didn't do plays in my grade school or middle school. There was no plays. I I, uh, I, sang. I found out that I could sing. And I remember I sang. Uh, yeah, so that so we didn't really do plays. I did sing in, in middle school. I remember my whole family was like, what? Oh, my God. We <laughs>
1: had no idea.
0: I mean, they were like so embarrassed for me. I mean, I had a cowl neck sweater on and a wrap skirt and some chunky nude hose and some chunky sandals. I'll never forget what I was wearing. And I sang Ice Castles. (laughs) I I could do it for you now, but I won't. Um, um, I had never seen a live play. I'd never seen a play at that point in my life. And then I hit high school and I had an incredible teacher. Um, Her name was Mrs. Jarko. And we became friends and she convinced me to try out for the musical. And And um, I found out that I really love to be looked at. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Like, I don't think I was ever looked at, like, for most of my childhood. So, I mean, I literally was like, oh. People want to look at me, they want to listen to me, and they think I'm funny and special. Oh my god, that was it! I was done, like that was it. Like, I didn't care what part I played, I didn't care what I was doing.
1: What number are you in your siblings?
0: I always tell that everyone that I'm the 11th because it just sounds better. There's five girls, five boys, me, and five more boys. But I was on my bike the other day, and I realized that's been a lie for my entire adult life. Um, <laughs> Cause it kind of gets messy if you start saying these many and then this many I, I I am 11
2: and are you are you all close in age like I mean obviously the whole all 15 of you are pretty spread out but are you there's like 16 there's 16 16 but are you like each sibling in order pretty close in age yeah uh, it's a pretty crazy story so
0: um my 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 mom married her high school sweetheart who was a combination of like I don't know. He was gorgeous and fantastic and stunning and charming and powerful. And, and the blue collar boy from down the street, you know, and um, worked, lived in a farm and was a ranch, a farm hand. And um, he had run away from home when he was little and younger. I mean, when he's like 16 and he had a twin brother and anyway, he was, his name was Gail and he um, married, they got married like right out of high school and she had a baby like a year later and she had four babies four years later she had two sets of Irish twins, basically, you know, one, two, three, four, like within 10 months of each other. So, and then they were like done and they waited. And, and then I came along accidentally, like, um, seven years later or something or six, I don't know, five years later or something. And then I had a little brother, Brett. And, um, my dad died in a car accident when he was 36. Um, and left my mom, I think she was 34, with all the kids. And I think my oldest sister was like 13 or 14. And so my mom, three years later, met a man. And she, my mom has got a wicked sense of humor. She's a great storyteller. She'd be good for your show. She, I don't know. She gets all <laughs> nervous about having anything important to say. But if you get her going, she's great. But she <laughs> had a wicked sense of humor. And she'd say, who's going to marry a, a woman with six kids? Like, she was a receptionist. She had gotten a job at a receptionist in the hospital local hospital and these doctors would come down she's good looking and she was young you know she was 35 and they'd come down and they'd be like hey and they'd hang out by the thing and then they'd be like what are all those are those all your kids and they'd be like and then she'd see them go around the other way and go up the steps and never come by her desk and always circumvent the desk <laughs> from then on so she would say who's marrying a woman with six kids a man with nine right that's the only person <laughs> So that's what happened. I mean, I mean oh come my on. God. And so she married a man. Um, he had lost his wife unexpectedly mm-hmm. in a tragic, um, uh, I like think, a heart attack, I believe, or stroke. I'm not sure. Lois, um, my, my stepfather, Lori, um, married my mom, and he had nine kids. And we moved in, and we all pretty much, d- we moved into a farmhouse. And when we go see it, when my husband saw that farmhouse, he could not believe how small it
2: was. Oh, my God. It's literally like that movie.
0: Yeah, my mom hated those movies. She hated the Brady Bunch. She couldn't watch it. She was like, "Shut that off!
2: Propaganda's not true." She
0: just she would say, "I could do it better if I had an Alice too." I mean, if everyone
2: had an Alice, it, things would be better, right? I mean, she's not wrong. She is
1: not I think that's wrong. where we went wrong. Is what, as soon as Alice stopped being relevant, that's when everything went to in this country. <laughs> That's when the world turned. What is for Pete's sake? Oh,
0: that's nice that you asked. We were living in this small town Spring Green, and the people that helped um, when we got here without a pot to piss in, as my mom would say, um, we were, found out we were pregnant, and uh, uh, my husband and I, and we were like, oh my God, I got to go, I got to work. And, how we're, and this lovely family in town offered to. She was the mother earth. She was in, I remember she had children around her all the time. She homeschooled her kids. Her name was Susan Greenwood and Don, her husband. And Susan was like an angel and she loved kids. And she walked up to me and she was, I can't have any more. She had seven. She goes, Don won't let me have any more, but could I hold your baby? And I was like, Oh my God, could you watch my baby? Can you take my baby? Could you, would you want to babysit my baby? I mean, I was crazy. I was so desperate to find someone to help us. Um, and she saved our lives. And she um, um, took care of Gail, my first our firstborn. Um Gail was really enamored of the one boy that was left in the house, which was of the boys. He was the youngest. His name was Pete. And Pete would t- play with Gail. And t- they listened to the monkeys album, taught him every st- mm-hmm. word to all the songs and to annoy me. And um <laughs> and uh Pete was just a great is a great guy and he um athletic and always took time to be with the kids and stuff. But just a, a real heartfelt person. And um one day uh they found out that he had cancer. And the cancer was in his leg and the leg had to be taken off. And it was really, really, really rampant. Um aggressive bone cancer. Um, and he went through this the most torrential uh chemo. I mean just downpour of chemo, the hardest chemo. And uh and he never I never saw the guy ever complain, ever. And I saw him a lot, and I couldn't bear how brave he was and he was just a kid He's like 18 but they found out that there was these things that were like these um uh, uh, bionic whatever legs and from his knee down he could potentially get uh we could we could help get this this um what are they called please help me um prosthetic yeah prosthetic that would be automated and, and he could still run and maybe and stuff and uh uh they were looking for our help and we just said uh, we have no idea what to do but we'll figure it out and so a group of people in town. It was like five or six of us. Just decided it was fifty thousand dollars. We could raise fifty thousand dollars. We had no idea what we were doing, and and um, we started making bread and cooking and I would sing at people's events and Jimmy would cook spaghetti and, and some, you know, we did everything you can imagine. And then we decided to have a big party in the park and have all of our artist friends and, and lots of our friends were in bands and we put together all these bands and we got that. It was, it was profound. We got that. It was amazing in a small town. We got the Casey's and the lion's club to work together. You know, we were like building bridges <laughs> and the liberals and the, you know, and, because it was a, someone in need. And it was like, so our tagline became when you see a need fill it." And, uh, we went for it and we raised $105,000. Um, and so the family in pure, pure Greenwood style, they were like, well, we only need 55 of that. So you should give that to somebody else. And so we got all these letters from town about how, oh, did it an amazing, it was amazing. It was everybody. It's a 1200 at that point, 1200, 1300 people in this town. And, every, and we had 850 people there. And everybody bought stuff at the silent auction. Everybody drank for Jesus, we call it, you know, drank for, <laughs> drank for help, to help people, you know, a lot of beer. We drank a lot of beer. And, and, and everybody just gave, helped out. And it was a complete voluntary thing. And when we ended up with that, bank account we got together and we got all these letters that said, they have to do that again next year and now it's been 16 years we've raised over a million dollars for the local river valley area and pete is alive and well has two children does yoga with his wife his wife is a yoga instructor they do <laughs> couples yoga he can ski and water ski and
2: uh he does everything <laughs> Uh, So now to our main segment, the anecdotal dote. Here's how it works. I have selected a random word that only I've seen, and Brenda, your job is to tell a true story based on that word. Are you ready?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Grunt. Oh my god, it's a terrible scatological story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My stories are terrible. I know, but Um, I love them. (laughs) Some of my favorite stories. Oh God!
0: Okay, I don't know that I grunt very often, but I definitely <laughs> grunted this time. So it was opening night of born, born yesterday. Anyway, I had on this fantastic jumpsuit that I bought that I was so proud of. That was like hook around my neck and sleeveless, and big wide legs, and I was so excited to wear it. And I was so proud of the show. So afterwards, we stay up the hill and we do a little toast. And I hadn't. I got to the show kind of almost just like can imagine like right at curtains jimmy was already there waiting for me and i sit down and i'm like i literally went from one thing to another to another today after i got dressed and it takes so long to get this thing down and of course i had spanks on underneath this was all really hard so i'm like i can't get this down to go to the bathroom and i had not gone to the bathroom (laughs) Okay. And it's opening night and he had got me a glass of wine. And of course I didn't say, no, I can't drink that. I drank the wine. And then some donors caught me at intermission and I am literally talking and almost like going to pee my pants if I stayed standing up. So I had to just sit down and finish the intermission was over. And I had to go through the second half. And then we, afterwards, everyone's coming up and they're saying, Oh my God, it's so great. It's so great. And I'm really good at holding my, my urine for a long time. Um, so I'm standing there and people are talking to me and all of a sudden I'm like, I gotta get to the bathroom. I gotta get to the bathroom. And then everyone came out for the toast. So it's like the toast on top of the show, on top of the donors, on top of the afternoon. And I don't, and so I am literally, and I get done and I start to go and that all the, everything's locked up and I have to get down the hill and I'm like, Oh my God. And so I'm the last person walking down the hill. I have armful of presents that were given to me. I'm walking down the hill. Oh, I had given everybody presents. That's what it was before the show. So I, definitely didn't have time. I'd like walked around and give everybody stuff, you know, crazy. I get down the hill. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not going to, I got, and of course I don't have my keys, Lauren, you know, I never have my keys to the Bravo center. So I'm like, I had my keys. (laughs) You guys were all gone. I am walking down the hill. All of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, um, uh, Jim Ridge and Gidry start coming up the hill. I'm like, I'm, and I'm like running, like holding myself, running down the hill with this stuff. And they're like, we need to find some. We left our – I, said, I got no keys. But I, maybe Elliot or somebody's up there. I don't know. But I, I, I just like brushed them off and ran down to my car. And I get down there. And I'm like, I – now, now, I'm not only going to wet my pants. I'm actually going to have a bowel movement as well. So I literally am standing next to my car. It's pitch dark. It's all, and I, it's all, and I go over to this like ditch and I'm taking down my thing and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I take off my spanks and I'm, I'm like literally naked, standing next to, up beside my car, no cars around. And all of a sudden, and I'm like, I can't, I can't, and I'm making this noise, like I can't go to the bathroom, I have to hold it. So I'm actually grunting to hold in pee to pee and then not to let the bowel moment this is a two-story. I can't
2: believe I'm sorry. <laughs> right.
0: So then I'm sitting there in this thing and all of a sudden, who do you think drives around the curve? But Didi, because oh, you know, he no. does his wonderful like walk through the woods after the, yeah. and he drives around and I'm in that little ditch right there. And he sees my face and I'm like, no, no, no. Them, I'm like holding myself and he's like, what? are you okay? I'm like, drive, drive, drive. <laughs> and he drives. And then I get up, I succeeded. I just went to the bathroom. Simply, I'm naked in my car. Okay, I have a bra on, I have a strapless bra on, and I have nothing else on. And I'm like, I gotta get out of here. So I start driving, and I got, and so I pull over, and I am again grunting, trying to pull on my outfit. And the co- I pull over in the headquarters parking lot, and the cop pulls up, and I am like, oh, <laughs> and I pull this, up this thing up. And I get above my breast, and I get like holding it like this. And they pull up. I'm like, hi, hi. And he's like, are you okay, ma'am? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just late. And, and I'm having trouble with my snaps. And the cop did my snaps on the, back, on the back of my jumper for real. And I'm like, thank you so much. I was having a little trouble. And I appreciate that. And I walk into the shed and I'm completely dry and I, I'm good. And then I went into the bathroom when I'm in the shed
1: oh my god yeah that's
0: a real I can't believe
2: I've never heard this
0: story that's how stupid my I am I mean I am <laughs> that's how dumb I am I mean why the hell didn't I just say excuse me I have to go to the restroom and then take the 10 minutes I was going to take to get the stupid thing off and do it but you know I could this my husband's never heard that story oh my god I hope he never listens to this he'll be so embarrassed for me
1: <laughs> so Laura yeah that um <laughs> what a what a fantastic guest, yes, Brenda is literally one of my favorite humans in the whole world. yeah, she was an absolute delight uh from the beginning of the episode to the very end. You and I have talked several times when I've met all of these people um that you've that you've brought onto the podcast that I need to once all of this quarantining is over. Uh, I need to make a trip out your way so not only I can see you again in person, uh, surprise, but also so I can meet and hang out with all of these amazing people that I have met uh, from your neck of the woods. Yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. I would love for you to come out sometime, ideally when we're doing plays again. But even if we're not doing real plays in in the live sense, it would still be great for you to come out here. Um, but I don't get to see them ever, so it's like a great opportunity for me like me to be like, hey, I miss you, but also here's an excuse for us to like reconnect again, even though you live four blocks from me.
1: I mean, that's (laughs) literally that's literally how this season of the podcast started was because you were like, Hey, I miss you so much, John. You are just the cornerstone of my life, and I need I need you back in my life on a regular basis. And I was like, fine, Laura, you don't get off of your knees on the zoom (coughs) video. I will, I guess I will do another episode of this podcast with you. Yeah.
2: I just begged and begged.
1: Wow. You're getting much better with your improv. (laughs) Yes. And that's what, that's what we're chronicling this season is we're, we're watching your slow, painfully like root canal, slow, crawl towards being a decent improviser
2: (laughs) it is a really painful slow crawl
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is another episode in the books
2: thank you so much for listening to today's episode
1: if you have a story inspired by our buzzword grunt today let us know have a question or need some anecdotal advice on a subject send them to us the doctors we are not doctors we are not registered doctors i must make that disclaimer are not in um so send them to us and we might share them on a future podcast those questions comments and stories can be sent to us written filmed or by audio at the anecdotal dote at gmail.com
2: and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast
1: write us a review on apple podcast and share this podcast with your friends
2: remember every has a story to tell especially you so send them in we're excited to listen
1: thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week (laughs) well episodes wait what episodes i'm sorry the the heat in this apartment has just made me have a small inclusion of the brain (laughs) um inclusion is that a no that's not (sighs) okay let's wrap this mother up shall we um